Welcome to Shut Up It's Starting, a podcast where we take the best part of any cartoon, the theme song, and use it to talk about our childhoods. I'm Jimmy. And I'm Brad. And today we're talking about the origins of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And to do that, we've got a very special guest. Please, everyone, welcome Lucy B. Hello. (laughs) That sounded so convincing. (laughs) Uh, Sorry about that. I am happy to be here. Like, seriously, I'm just, you know, my brain's catching up. It's fine. It's fine. Today we are talking about two of the greatest cartoons of the 90s. Uh, We're going to talk about Spider-Man from 1994. production by Fox Kids and was one of the first sort of mainstream Marvel cartoons of that period to try and make an impact on the uh, on the, the sort of thinking on what the Marvel Cinematic Universe could actually be. What cartoon are you talking about today, Brad and Lucy? Well, I think Lucy and I are on the same team here. So... We're going with X-Men. Does it have another name, Lucy, or is it just X-Men? It's it's usually it's called X Men the animated series, right? So like I mean I, I I don't know I feel like I feel like they made that specification as if there was anything else going on with X Men at that time other than the comics, um, but yeah, a lot of people refer to it as X Men the animated series, and it was absolutely it's marketed like that in terms of like DVDs and all that other sort of shenanigans, but that's more I think that's more recent purely because. There are movies. Apparently, I wouldn't know. I don't think about them. Oh, that's harsh. <laughs> okay, no, no, I agree. Like, you know, yes. I mean, disclaimer straight off the bat, like anyone that has spent half an hour with me knows I'm not a big superhero person. Like, I have not watched, you know, I've said this plenty of times, I have not watched any of the Avengers and Marvels movies. They don't appeal to me whatsoever. However, I like two no, I like three superhero things. I like Deadpool. I like Spider-Man, the character, not so much the movies. And I like X-Men, particularly Nightcrawler. So I know what I'm talking about this episode for once. <laughs> so it's, bring it, it on. <laughs> it, it's very interesting, right? Because if we were talking about which one has the better movies, I don't think anyone would fault me for saying that the Spider-Man movies are much better than the X-Men movies, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the cartoon. So let's start there. Which of these two cartoons was the better cartoon? Let's start with Lucy. Well, obviously it was X-Men. I mean, there's, the, thing is, the thing is, I can say this, and I can say this without, if I just look at these two side by side, right? Now, they, they share a lot in common. They both, they both did something different 
in in comparison to other sort of cartoons at the time, which was they weren't afraid to go into having overarching, like sort of overarching storylines. Um, whereas a lot of other cartoons at the time were very much like story of the day kind of shenanigans. There was no, there was no exploration or deeper exploration of the characters. It was a little bit of drama, but like that was about it. Um, and the animation in both, I think the animation in the X-Men cartoon is, is better. I think it is arguably better. Um, but I think across the board, it was relatively solid. But I think in terms of the X-Men cartoon, it is iconic. There's a reason it's iconic. There's a reason it's remembered as iconic. I think it covered a lot of ground and it was very important at the time, especially because the diversity of the characters um, and also the fact that I think what it does a little bit better than Spider-Man is, and, and you can hear the creators, you can even hear Rod Wasserman who composed the, the theme talk about this. It wasn't just written for kids, right? They didn't treat kids like they were idiots. They didn't dumb it down. They were like, this is the world. This is what's going on. It's some pretty hectic shit. And as a result, you know, not that ratings, you know, I mean, ratings matter in terms of getting something to stick around, but this, this is a cartoon that appealed to every age range. Um, Fox was all shocked when this happened. They were like, oh my God, like all our target age ranges from like young kids all the way up to adults really love this. And the creators were like, they're quoted as saying, Fox was really shocked, but we fucking weren't. And of course they weren't because they knew. Um, I just think, you know, outside of my feelings as someone who is a big X-Men fan um, and who has suffered as an X-Men fan for the entirety of my time <laughs> as an X-Men fan, right? Um, I think, I think it, for me, I see myself represented better in this cartoon and I see more people represented better in this cartoon than I see necessarily in other cartoons. What I will say, though, is just a little bit of defense for Spider-Man. This Spider-Man cartoon in particular was the first one that actually had me give a shit about Peter Parker. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, that's, <laughs> look, that's, that's absolutely, there's a couple of things I just want to touch on quickly. Like, you're right. This is the, the like, this is how, before Hugh Jackman was invented, this was how people knew about the X-Men in the, the mainstream press and like before this there was a uh like an attempt at a pilot for a, a another don't don't bring that up don't bring that up. we have, have you heard the up. theme song have you heard no. the theme song for that <laughs> x-men it's terrible it is terrible the um oh my god <laughs> the but yeah the, the first the first attempt at this the uh the pride of the x-men uh, which was focusing around Kitty Pride and uh, and had a different cast of characters, including Dazzler. Remember Dazzler? No. <laughs> okay, but also that that everyone's like, oh, it's so cool that Hugh Jackman played Wolverine. Like he was played by an Australian. There was previously an Australian Wolverine, and it was in this horrendous pilot, and it was horrible. And I don't even know who did his voice in that. And, and if they've done further work, I'm happy for them. But what the actual F? I what, what I do want to touch on, though, I mean, besides the iconicness of this, this was the first real serious attempt 
at a comic book style cartoon and it worked so beautifully with uh, the animated format and they let us do a lot of fantastic X-Men comic stories. Uh, Brad, over to you. I think you're on the same page. Yeah, yeah. I have to give it to X-Men. I think, I mean, I don't want to sound too harsh, but like no one in their right mind is going to put the Spider-Man cartoon over the X-Men cartoon from the 90s. Um, Even if you are a big Spider-Man fan, and that's not to, to put anything on that cartoon, I weirdly remember more from Spider-Man than I do from X-Men, but then I re-watched X-Men, I mean, about a year or two ago and caught up with it anyway. Um, but having said that, just to touch on what Lucy was saying as well, it has overarching stories, which I think predates pretty much all the big overarching ones of the time. Like Gargoyles came a bit later. Um, Certainly yeah. there were like two-part episodes of various cartoons but nothing you you go into the phoenix saga you go into days of future past like they they have that little that cool little catch-up at the start of every single episode to fill you in you know otherwise as you were as i was as a kid turning on and going why is xavier and magneto walking and climbing through like cliffs and stuff like what happened how can he suddenly walk like so yeah. yeah, it was great. It caught you up. Um, and like that classic brutal 90s cartoon, if you missed an episode, tough shit, hear about it at school. I think, I look, I mean, gun to my head, I love both of these cartoons so much because these two cartoons basically got me into the Marvel comic book world. Um which, you know, I've spent a lot of time and I love and I made a lot of friends. So I've got a lot of nostalgic feelings for both of these. I will say, I think there's a lot more going on under the hood for uh, Spider-Man in terms of what actually, like the production, everything that went into it, everything that sort of um, happened to try and make that story uh, overarching and increase, you know, the interest from that side of things. But none of that would have happened without X-Men doing it first. And like, they're they're different cartoons in that, you know, again, like, well, you're following one person as opposed to a whole team of people who can react to things in different ways. Uh, And that sort of definitely is gonna affect how you feel about these cartoons, but it's it's got to come down to X Men for me. I think. I think. I think. I think it's difficult to compare them, and I think the reason is I hear what you're saying about what's under the hood, but the thing is, they're they're very on par with that. Both dealt with production teams that were very resistant to the idea, like to, with with I mean, not production, but with um, you know corporate teams that were very resistant to the idea of having long-term storylines. Both of them absolutely have that in common. You had, you know, X-Men having to jump through hoops just to get produced. Now, the only reason the X-Men cartoon got to got to Fox was because Saban offered to do all the post-production and all the production work for free so that they could then get Power Rangers on the air. All right? That's the only reason this happened. Okay? So they you know people at fox you know put their careers on the line because they believed in x-men 
then you've got spider-man that has to jump through all these like haze code-esque hoops with <laughs> and censorship in, galore as and well censorship that, and stuff yeah. so both of them had to deal with similar issues you know a lot of the x-men cartoons aired out of order right so bits of the phoenix like when it initial initially went to air bits of the phoenix fucking saga were all over the place like it was a nightmare then you've got um like um they sort of ended X-Men and then decided to go for this other series. They changed animation styles for that final series. And that it wasn't as good. It wasn't as profound. It wasn't as, as, so I think behind the scenes, both of them had the same level of difficulties and trials they had to face a little bit different, but similar in terms of what they both had to deal with. Um, and, and, you know, that, I mean, that's, it's tough. I, I really think that that sort of helped make make them into better cartoons. Um, mm. One of the big things, like Brad briefly touched on how uh, there's not a single punch ever thrown in the Spider-Man cartoon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I don't remember anyone dying in it for good. Like, no, people die in X-Men for good. They have to say, they have to say, I want to destroy Spider-Man. They can never say they want to kill him. Yeah, they they did they did all of that um, across that, and like it's funny because again, uh, the John Semper who produced the Spider-Man cartoon is actually on record as saying that that's kind of been blown out of proportion. The the one that I always like is that Spider-Man could not disturb pigeons when he landed on the roof, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my which God. is which is delightful, right? Uh, but like again, that that's the one that's always points to. But X-Men would have been under similar kind of uh, pressure, right? I don't remember anyone ever actually getting hit by a punch in X-Men. Certainly there were more punches thrown. Uh, yeah, but they but get I... hit by lasers and stuff like that all the time. Mm. Like the Sentinels yeah. shoot the shit out of Jubilee like every single episode. And yeah, th- there's more consequent, like even though I associate Spider-Man as the ultimate sort of consequences superhero like he's like there's always a you know there's always an action and a bad consequence with that but in this x-men cartoon you specifically see the consequences of everything um like the whole things with morph and the future with cable and my favorite i don't know if my favorite but something that stood out to me a lot is that beast remember he he gets court and he accepts his he wants to go through the trial like respectfully and doesn't break higher yeah he can break out of prison it's beast he can pull the bars off the fucking wall and jump out but Mm. he he chooses to respectfully serve his time and try and get out legally and any other cartoon would just have the rest of the team blow a hole in the wall and pull him out so there's there's really good consequences in that show that i think is much more leaning towards adults as lucy said adults and kids um but to throw it over what do you think about the theme songs though i mean we've all we've we've established that x-men is the superior cartoon do we agree that x-men theme song is the superior theme as well it it is the superior theme song (laughs) like it's i mean it's not i mean musically it absolutely is. It, it, like the thing is, it, if if we if we just full stop it for a second, that is an iconic piece of music. The creation of it is iconic, and 
you could play that to anyone at any given time and they would know where it's from. Yeah. Like, absolutely. You've, you've nailed it, right? Like, that's exactly... Yeah, it that's can exactly stand alone. The difference. That's the main thing about it. Like, it, it's not even that it stands alone, right? It's bigger than that. I think in every subsequent X-Men cartoon, I know in at least X-Men Evolution, which was the, the cartoon that followed this one directly. There, there was, was more? Least... Oh, yeah. Oh. Don't, don't, don't. You don't need to know about that. Good. <laughs> and it's better if you don't, don't go there. I won't. <laughs> Um, but look, like, I think Rogue was equally hot in the second Lady in Evolution cartoon. I was like, all right, yeah. It was cool. Australian in the in that. the X-Men, the 90s one. It was an Australian like, it was Rogue's cool. voice. Yeah. See, I love it, but it's it's just it's a weird cartoon. It's a weird cartoon. The 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 thing is, what I'm getting at though is that that tune shows up a couple of times in that cartoon. It is mm. like, I mean, and this is this is the problem that the Spider-Man animated theme song had to compete with, right? The Spider-Man theme song is clearly a response to the Spider-Man theme song. The 60s right? one, which is the better, which is a better theme song. That that's come on. The Ramones version of it kicks ass. <laughs> Yeah, look, that's that's absolutely fair. Like, but I mean, that's the point, right? The thing is that you can't do a Spider-Man cartoon and have a Spider-Man theme song without it being compared to the 1960s Spider-Man theme. It's the same way that you can't do Batman without it being compared to the Danny Elfman score or Superman without being compared to the John Williams score. Uh, it's just, they're so iconically tied uh, that that it's just impossible. So any sort of uphill struggle that the song and the song, I got to level with you. I It's not my favorite cartoon theme song ever written. I feel like it's trying to be cool. It's like, what up young people? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> like, like, and the thing is, look, I appreciate that it is trying to build on and modernize the original. The thing with the Spider-Man theme song and the thing with even Batman's theme song is it is what it says on the box. Batman, Spider-Man, like yeah. you, you don't... You, Radioactive Spider-Man. <laughs> right? You know what it's all about. I think one of the things that's really vital and really important about the X-Men theme song is like, you know shit is going to go down and they do it all without lyrics. Like this, this, there's a sense of urgency in this piece of music. You're just like, oh my God. Yep. Like, those, I'm in. I'm ready. Those violin stings at the beginning. Of, whap, 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 whap. Those yeah. are not just that. It matches all the the um the visuals on the intro like the it meshes the bespoke intro like like you hear the you hear wolverine's claws come out and it yeah. matches with the yeah but the thing is all those all those sound effects were added in post it is pure coincidence and pure perfect synchronicity that they all managed to mesh with the music that beautifully this was not planned uh it was just luck um which i think speaks to the value of the piece of music in the first place it's incredible. One of the things that I love about the X-Men theme song is that you can almost sing the character's name as it pops up over the top. Like it's it's synced so perfectly. Mm. And the the intro itself is just a masterpiece. Um, the character introductions are just perfect. You don't know who any of these people are, but you know they mean business. Yeah, um, the only part I don't like, if I had to nitpick against the intro of, of X-Men, 
is the Friday night football style of Magneto and Xavier's teams headbutting each other yeah. right at the end and then explosion. <laughs> that borders on a bit cheesy, but other than that, it's perfect. But there was there was another there was another interview with Ron Rossman, like because uh, he's just a funny he's a funny dude he's a funny funny man, but he like he he mentions that the bit when that happens in the intro that gong. Oh, like, I love that gong! I the, love that sound. The, it's like an one animal. Of the, one of the corporate, yeah, one of the corporate dudes was just like, it feels like it needs every it, one thing he said is that all the way through composing this, they wanted more. More, more, more. So we said there's like 20 plus hi-hat tracks. Like there's over 100 tracks in this thing. There's 20 plus hi-hat tracks, like more hi-hat, more hi-hat all the way through. And then one of the corporate types is like, it feels like it needs something maybe like a bell. And they were like, what about a gong? Just for clarity, uh, uh, Ron Wasserman uh, is the composer of the X-Men theme song, uh, obviously, but also is responsible for Mighty Morphin Power Rangers as well. This is a guy who, this is a guy who, who like unashamedly cheesy, right? Those guitar riffs, those synth lines. He's very good at sort of overblown, delightful, just go swimming in an ocean of cheese Speaking stuff. of guitar riffs, did Aerosmith do the Spider-Man theme song? Did I hear that? So, yeah. So, uh, not not Aerosmith. Aerosmith, oh. not all of Aerosmith. Okay. Uh, it was just Joe Perry, the uh, the lead guitarist. He didn't write the, uh, the theme song. No, was... I didn't imagine he did. No, but, like, again, coming back to Lucy's point about the theme song trying really, really hard to be cool, Hey, we got the lead guitarist of Aerosmith to do our theme song. We all um, remember the 90s here. Nobody liked Aerosmith. Nobody liked Aerosmith again until they were in Wayne's World. Before then, <laughs> there were like coked up has-beens. So, and, but you know what? And then a lot of people liked them because of that stupid, what, what, that space movie. Arm- uh, Armageddon. Don't, I hate, I hated them more <laughs> after that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just like, oh. The the guy the guy that composed the uh, the Spider Man theme song, uh, Shuki Levy. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Um, this guy is a legend in terms of cartoon themes. He did Inspector Gadget. He did the Mysterious Cities of Gold. He did Mask. He did He Man and the Masters of the Universe. Shira, Princess of Power. Jace, the Weird Warriors. Wow. Digimon. Dragon Ball Z. But I'm, I'm shocked. Sorry. I did you the, the standouts there are clearly Digimon and Inspector Gadget, like Inspector full stop. Gadget, I'm sorry. For sure. What yes, is, I, cool, I'll have to look up the Digimon. Like, I don't I'm not familiar with Digimon. Digimon Digital Monsters. It might go on the list. It is definitely worth talking about. But the, the coolest thing about this guy, he entered Eurovision. Oh. What, with, with one of the theme songs? <laughs> no, no. I he, mean, he uh, probably would have won if he'd done that. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. He entered he entered Eurovision in 1981 under the nation of Israel. Well, did he get sued like 
the X-Men composer did. Did you hear about that? Here's now I know about this, and here's the thing. So if someone wants to give an overview of that, because I have a bone to pick with this. this yeah, fucking... so it was apparently yeah. too similar to a police show. Is it Joan, the policewoman? Am I... Linda. Linda, the policewoman. Linda, the policewoman. Some real vague, yeah, real and abstract. I, I watched a, like a little bit of Linda, the policewoman, yeah. and, and it kicks ass. It's like Starsky and Hutch, but just one woman. And But the theme song, no, it's not so, a ripoff. Right. The, 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 the composition of this started with a baseline and it was actually a baseline that had been written by, I think, one of the other employees at Saban, his band. Oh, and cool. he's like, hey, I've got this baseline. If you, if you think you could work this into it, that'd be, that'd be kind of cool. Gives us a, a, like a jumping point. And Ron was like, all right. And that's how it started. So it started with that baseline. So when they're like, oh, I copied off this show, I'm like, I just don't think that happened, my friends. No. And it's 12 bar blues true. as well. There's only so much you right. can it's not, kind of. I mean, if you if you go in and really search, that could turn into a real big lawsuit. But this is an obscure show. I'm just like, now, 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 now. If I just come back, circle back to the shows, one of the, the most interesting things for me is the amount of times that these two shows actually crossed over. There oh, were a couple of, yeah, there were a couple of um, Marvel cartoons going at the time. There was a Fantastic Four and Iron Man cartoons going at roughly the same time uh, that weren't anywhere near as good as these two. But there was a, an entire arc of Spider-Man based on the Secret Wars which is a comic book series where Spider-Man goes to another dimension and he's asked to pick a I bunch of champions. That. And he picks yeah. Storm. Yep. And they yeah. got Doctor Doom. I remember Heck that. Yeah. That yeah. But the other thing is, well, Spider-Man showed up on X-Men occasionally as well. Because yep. yep. like, he, he swung over to um, the, the mansion and got in a fight with Wolverine. And Wolverine's like, you're pretty cool. You should hang out with us. And he's like, I'm not actually a mutant. So Swung over to the mansion. <laughs> but can we, can we, can I just point out that one thing that both of these comics, or most both of these shows got right, is that they borrowed from the comics pretty specifically. They made alterations where it was due, where it was necessary. And I understand, I do understand that there are things you can do in an animated show that you can't do in a movie or you can't do in a live action. But one of the things that Marvel has done, okay, let's say in the last 10 years of the modern MCU is they've done the same thing. They've taken from the comics. Yes, they've made alterations. They've made changes where they needed to, but they have more faithfully returned to the fucking subject material, which is what nerds wanted them to do all along. And it's worked. So maybe we should keep doing that. It is It is kind of, I did want to, I. I did want to touch on this, right? Because uh, certainly the Spider-Man adaptations, Secret Wars, the Venom saga, um, uh, Night of the Lizard, and all of these specific, because Spider-Man was much easier to mm. kind of serialize. It's much easier mm. to do a Batman-style show where you focus a little bit on the villains and get them to build up. Um, it's much easier to do those sort of adaptations of comic books. X-Men really like just went for it you mentioned uh 
Days of Future Past, which is probably mm. the best adaptation of Days of Future Past that's ever been done. Uh, certainly mm. the best Dark Phoenix saga. Like, I like to think it's the only Dark Phoenix saga because my life just passes by happily with that um, and thinking of nothing. Nothing came after that. What are you talking about? Shut up. Having mentioned that, Jimmy, like the you mentioned in there about the villains and if we can move just slightly onto that i we've we've really not picked on spider-man here but we've all been firm that x-men is better in in all of the ways with the exception of magneto who is an incredible character in general and everything that he's in i think the spider-man series had the better representation of the villains um i'd I'd say that that's the same. When you see yeah. Mr. Sinister in X-Men, you laugh. He's not sinister at all. Mm. He's a big campy vampire. But in <laughs> this in the Spider-Man series, they do Venom and Carnage so fucking well. And even Craven the like the when Craven the Hunter comes in and they do that that arc where Spidey turns into an actual literal spider, that's mm-hmm. so well done. And but Even they gave Hobgoblin, them depth it's fucking Mark Hamill as well. Is, is the thing they gave the villains depth, and that's not something that a lot of other cartoons did. It was just like your villain of the week situation. You don't get to know these uh, villains are characters too. They have motivations. They have reasons for doing things. And um, one thing I think that cartoons in particular struggled, if we're going from like classic cartoons to these these '90s cartoons, they struggled to adapt from the and and that's why so a lot of people compare the rogues gallery and batman the animated series to the spider-man villains and how they explore those because that is something that both did quite well whereas with x-men i think your your villains and stuff like that i think it explores the social context of what's happening and the broader sort of social issues and stuff like that and it does its best work when it's dealing with scenarios like that as opposed to like one-on-one villains and it loses its strength when it tries to do that kind of thing. I, I kind of feel like this is sort of like the one of the, di- the defining dichotomies between the two shows, right? Uh, the whole point of X-Men, and this is, you know, Stan Lee talking, uh, the whole point of X-Men is I don't want to have to keep thinking up superhero origin stories for these characters. I'm going to build something in that means that at some point they're going to get superheroes. And then you have the X-Men and all of the X-Men's villains either hate that about the X-Men or are also just woke up with powers one day. Oh, okay. That's interesting. I I thought it was specifically a like metaphor for racism in America in the fifties and sixties. That you can thank thank Chris Claremont for that, who wrote a Mm. whole bunch of like he was responsible for diversifying the team and getting Nightcrawler and Colossus. I will, I will say though that when so the the X Men comic is is very much built on the 1975 relaunch where they went from the blue and yellow suits and we all look the same to to this new you know you've got um this new you've got storm you've got everyone and they've all got their own outfits and their own personalities and stuff and then it built on from there the diversity sort of improved on from there in terms of them having their own personalities and stuff like that but still being a unit 
Um, Claremont definitely, like, I, not to take away from what you're saying, I'm just saying that this is 1975 reboot was where the costumes got better. <laughs> <laughs> it is interesting, right? Because one of the things that's, again, about the adaptations that I kind of want to touch on, and then we'll, we'll move on from this, I promise, but it's really, really interesting. The X-Men core lineup often kind of stays roughly the same. You're always going to have Cyclops. You're always going to have Jean because you can't have any... Cyclops isn't even a little bit interesting unless you have Jean Grey for him to bounce off. He is kind of the least interesting of all of them, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, God, he's a whiny bitch. (laughs) Shit. I just like like Jimmy and I were talking a while ago, and he was like, "Oh, we should we should talk about you know the Cyclops issue." And I'm like, "He exists. That's the issue." Like I I just I have a really good friend, totally tangential, who owns a comic book store, and was like, "Hey, I've got a comic you might be interested in. Like for the cover, you could frame it or something." And I was like, "Heck yeah! What is it?" And it's literally part of the Avengers vs X Men aftermath, and it's just someone holding a gun to cyclops and i'm like it's beautiful <laughs> and i will frame that he's just i'm just go away go away one thing one thing one thing that i think you know what i think the cartoon was almost too kind to him he's way more whiny and annoying in the movies as he should be that's the reality people need to hate him oh uh. For context, the the Cyclops problem, as I view it, is the same sort of problem I have with Leonardo from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's that he doesn't have a personality. He has a job. Yeah. Yeah. He He has has to be there to to bounce off Wolverine, who's Raphael, essentially. He's the, yeah, he's got a tough one. It's the best update. The best update to the X-Men comics recently has been this whole polyamorous triad situation between um scott wolverine so cyclops wolverine and gene gray and that's that's pretty much solid canon now and it's given me the wolverine and gene gray i need and it puts scott in the position that he should always be in which is the bottom and like there you go i mean i'm assuming that's how that pans out um yeah, I, I was just going to point out how interesting it is that with most of the X-Men uh, media, you have the same team of seven or eight mm. fighting the same villains. But in the, what are we at, like eight Spider-Man movies uh, at the moment, they've all had different villains. They haven't yet repeated uh, a Spider-Man mm. villain. I, I sort of think that this kind of uh, talks about again, the, the different uses of these characters, right? Because you put the X-Men in an ideological fight, right? You put the X-Men against massive social issues. You put Spider-Man in the, the you know, the fun science. Yeah, and ambiguous enemies as well in, in X-Men. The, you, you need mm. to have Magneto there permanently because he's not always a bad guy. He's, always, he's just mm. got a different view sometimes. Whereas Spider-Man, um, Green Goblin is going to be coming and pumpkin bombing the hell out of the place till the end of time. There's no yeah. good quality there. He has to fight him all the time. Yeah. Well, let's move on to the most important question that's ever been posed. Uh, if you could get a band to cover these songs, 
which bands would you get? Brad, we'll start with you. This was a difficult one and an easy one. So the easy one is for Spider-Man. Um, immediately I went to the early industrial post-punk era of the 80s. Um, I think you could maybe get Ministry to do it if you had like Gibby from the Butthole Surfers doing that Jesus Built My Hot Rod sort of thing. Oh, um, that would be awesome. Yeah, I, I, I was leaning to that or Killing Joke. I'm, I'm a big Killing Joke fan, so I, I'll put, probably put it to Killing Joke, to be honest. Um, the X-Men one, I didn't want to cop out like a little bitch and just say nobody should cover it because the song is good enough to be a song to begin with. So I did try and search for someone to do it. And instead of going the typical metal route, which I'd normally do, I'm going to throw it out there. I want to hear Aphex Twin do it. Oh, that would be awesome. I can, I can hear it now. It'd be like, oh, like really noisy. And he'd have some fun with those peaking saw waves. It'd yeah. make you sick. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like, who's going to, can I go next? Yeah, go ahead. Lucy, who, who you, would you, 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 you're more music. So I honestly, this just stressed me out. This whole question just stressed me out. Um, because I happen to know that the, the, the guitars in the X-Men theme were not guitars. They were keyboards. Um, and that then made me like, I want to hear though that done with a guitar. I want to hear someone try and figure out how to put that together and do it with a guitar. And plenty of people have done it. It's all over YouTube. There's two totally different directions I went with this. One makes absolutely no sense. One makes slightly more sense. First, I want to hear Muse do it. Yep. Because I don't have to listen to Matt. I don't have to listen to Matt Bellamy sing. There's no words. Um, and sometimes he just needs to take a break. But I just feel like some of those really powerful sort of guitar moments in Muse songs and the fact that they encompass so many different sounds to make something really big um, would be fucking cool. But at the other end of the spectrum, I want to hear some strings, right? And I'm not saying that Muse can't use the strings. I'm not saying they can't do that. But I heard the Scorpions do an amazing version of Rock Me Like a Hurricane with the Berlin Symphony Orchestra. And I'm like, what if we all got together and you all just did this? with the Berlin Symphony Orchestra and the Scorpions, right? And just oh, see what happened. That would now, be amazing. Adjacent to this, I encourage anyone, anyone listening, go, don't hate me after you do it. Go listen to the pilot theme song. It's hilarious. Ron, Ron Wasserman, one of the reasons why the, the theme song doesn't have lyrics is because he was like, there is no way that you can easily or convincingly sing the word X-Men. But he said, but he said, if you were to do it, one way you could do it was to make it metal as fuck. So I want to hear like Lordy or some shit do that pilot theme song. Okay. Right? Yeah. I don't want, I just want Screamo for days because the, the rest of the lyrics, terrible. The X-Men bit, really the only thing that's important. So let them sing the rest of the lyrics. I'm not going to be able to understand it. Fantastic. There. In terms of Spider-Man, though, I didn't have a lot of really good ideas other than based on that that sort of that whole what up friendos trying to <laughs> with the repetitive sort of did 
digitized voice thing, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Get get Skrillex to do it. Do like a heavy dubstep version of this theme song. That 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 song is already dubstep, isn't it? There there you go. The birth of dubstep is the Spider-Man 1994 theme song. Just, just... (laughs) Up the wall, do something real weird, play it at nightclubs, bring it back, and they they wouldn't have to they wouldn't have to re-record the the radioactive and Spider-Man no. bit. They could just do the original. It'd be fine. Well, like yeah, those those are both those are both fantastic pictures. Um, look, I also really struggled with this one. Um, certainly, I feel like I mean I always do this. Like I, I like going in opposite directions sometimes, but I did kind of with with X Men. It's gotta be it's gotta be Megadeth, right? It's just gotta be Dave Mustaine shredding that, like you know, it like you know, cycling back around, and you know, just just like it, it it's a giant guitar solo. Let's get Dave Mustaine to do it. He was already um, I, in um, that Duck Dodgers series yeah. as well, so he's no he's oh. no stranger to cartoons. Yeah, so so like just 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 bring Dave in, do the guitar solo. It, it's it's fine. It's not not creative, but it's it's you know it's the easiest way to do it. Spider Man, like again, I struggled really really hard with this because. I originally was going to go like a, again, like a perturbator synthwave style of thing. But then I thought, no, you know what? I want to actually hear what this sounds like with an Aerosmith tribute band. Like, like, I mean, you might as well, right? Like, I, I, I don't think this is on, I don't think this is on Joe Perry's resume, but I want it to be, and like, I just I want to hear some like is in a dirty pub, you know, four drinks in, the Aerosmith cover band starts playing Spider Man. That's that would make me happy. <laughs> What's made me happy about that is you didn't pick Aerosmith; you've picked Aerosmith cover Aerosmith band. Cover band. <laughs> <laughs> if you do know an Aerosmith cover band, please let us know because I can't name any off the top of my head, but. That's like it's also as Lucy pointed out, Aerosmith are banned from doing any themes for any media until the rest of time, anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. Except unless unless it's what is it that weird that weird ride they did at like Disney? Was it Disney? Oh, the, like... the the Disney Rock and Roller yeah. Coaster. <laughs> I mourn the fact that I may never be able to go on that because it looks horrendous. When when we finish, you guys need to fill me in on that. Oh, okay. Oh. We, we will do that. So um, many videos. Uh, and with that, I think we're going to wrap up. You can find me on Twitter at RoleplayJames, Roleplay underscore James. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Lint Music, and you can find the show as well at Shut Starting. And Lucy, what have you got going on? Where can people find you? What do you want to plug? Anything? Um, um what, what have I got going on? Well, I'm having a baby. No, um... That's it's the all-consuming force of my life, and no matter how that pans out, it will have an X-Men name. Uh, that's like I'm not joking. That is actually locked in. It's very kind of embarrassing. Um, anyway, um, can't wait to meet oh, Nightcrawler. 
Oh, it's going to be so cute. Are they going to get so picked on? I'm so sorry. Anyway, so um, you can find me at the Lucy B and that's Lucy with an IE, not a Y because I'm precious like that. Um, and also, honestly, I, I think it's best we're open about You can also find me on OnlyFans. <laughs> um, and I'll drop a link. We'll drop a link yeah, to your OnlyFans. we'll drop a link. Uh, but um, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Like, a girl's going to make her money. Come on. Come on. Um, but yeah, as I said, on Twitter, where I usually banter with Jimmy and um, am really offensive. Hooray. If you enjoy the show, please consider subscribing on your podcast platform of choice and share us around. If you want to tell us what you think, you can find the show, as Brad said, at Shut Starting on Twitter, all one word, and email us at shutupitstarting at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening and watch some more cartoons. Yeah.